Hello everyone, thank you for checking out this special episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny, and I am here with... Andrew Welker. I also write under the pen name QL Games. Q as in queen, L as in lycanthrope, games as in games. Today, we're going to talk about Manual of the Plains for 5e D&D, which I'm very excited about. And Manual of the Plains is one of those, like, really popular books, you know, that, that there was a version come up on 1E, uh, 3E, I think it skipped 2E because we had the Planescape setting at the time. And I believe that was one for fourth edition as well. And uh, sadly, even though they have um, D&D, Wizards of the Coast has finally put out Planescape for fifth edition, there is no manual of planes to go along with it. But you have created it for fifth edition D&D. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so how would you... For anyone hearing about this for the first time, thinking like, okay, I like Planescape, I'm getting into it. What is Manual of the Plains exactly? Uh, how, how would you describe this book? I would say that this is the latest rendition of a classic series of D&D source books, which you've already described. Uh, as you said, there's been a book called Manual of the Plains throughout most of D&D's history, even as back as far as first edition. Uh, and we decided we'd love to have one again, so let's make one. To understand what the Manual of the Plains is, you need to know what a plane is. Uh, a plane, as people who know about the Planescape setting already probably know what a plane is, but just in case they don't, a plane is another, like, alternate reality, another parallel dimension of existence. For example, in this Netflix show Stranger Things, you have the Upside Down. Or in the movie, in the Barbie movie, you have Barbie Land. Two very different aesthetics, but the same general concept of a world apart from our own that still functions and is real. That's what a plane is. They also are common in classic mythology, like the Greek Land of the Dead uh, or Mount Olympus. So there's not too many books that get a new uh, uh, a new update, like mm -hmm. Manual of Planes, that come out for each edition of, of Advanced D&D. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think this book is important to the... D&D mythos? Ooh, that's such a great question. Um, have you noticed how often in D&D &D content people write about the planes? Just settle things here and there about, oh, the realm of fairy, the Feywild. We have an entire adventure set there. Or the Nine Hells. Oh, we have another entire adventure set there. <laughs> or the Domains of Dread. Oh, look at that. We have two full books set in the Domains of Dread, which is where Curse of Strahd and Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft take place. Uh, in addition, there's all sorts of little subtle references throughout player options. Uh, in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, we have the Clockwork, Sor Clockwork Soul Sorcerer, who's tied to Mechanus traditionally, uh, which is one of the planes of existence. There's a long list of different character options, uh, magic items, of adventures, interesting tidbits of lore and history of the D&D world that is tied to the planes. What we wanted to do was make it easy for players to grab all of that information, the most important bits, and some interesting stuff in between, uh, in, in between the important bits, so that then they can have their own adventures really dedicated to the planes in addition to the content covered by Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. Mm. Does that answer your question? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 those books are 
important to me because it it you're right um it's been referenced in 5e D D all along you know um and, and, and with, with the uh different source books that have come out recently and um i it seems like no matter how what group i played with eventually everyone asks what is out there you know what's beyond this realm that we're in and there's you know with all the media going on with the multiverse with especially with the marvel movies things like that mm-hmm. you know that 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 even that that curiosity is even more greater than it was previously um so so for this book um is there any uh player options uh what take what what, what can this book offer to players okay um that actually ties into something really well that I realized I wanted to answer also in the last question was something this book does differently from the typical mythos for players uh, is that in most previous editions of Dungeons and Dragons, the content has made it very clear, very explicitly stated, this content is for high level and sometimes mid-level parties. Mm. It actively shoes away low-level characters and low-level parties. And we were like, Nope, not at my table. We are going to have low-level welcome planar campaigns. We are going to make it accessible to everyone, including new players and including people who just kind of like that style of play. So along those lines, we have character creation options. We have new races, which we refer to as species. Uh, We have new feats, including some that you can take at first level, some that you have to take at fourth level or higher, and some that are even reserved for epic level play, meaning 20th level or higher characters. We have some backgrounds. Uh, Our backgrounds tie in with some of our new feats and feats from the uh, player's handbook, uh, as has been the tradition for the last couple of adventures published by Wizards of the Coast, and for the foreseeable future going forward in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. We are tying feats to backgrounds. It can be optional if you'd like to, but it is provided for parties who would like to have that mechanic at their table uh getting a feat tied to your background i think is a really narratively interesting way to really make your character unique from the get-go mm-hmm. we also have some new spells for every level of play my favorite is this cantrip astral sign which is kind of like prestidigitation or druidcraft uh, or thaumaturgy where it's mostly qualitative information but useful in a wide variety of ways we also have a couple of new items Items tied to the planes of existence, uh, different locations and creatures characterized and presented in our book. There's only a few of them for now, but we're looking to expanding that section more in future minor updates. Can you give us a, a chapter overview of each section and how this can uh, benefit game masters or, or dungeon masters, I should say? Yes. So the contents, there is an introduction and four chapters and an appendix. In the introduction, we cover basically what is a plane, what is a, uh, what makes a planar adventure. Simple, straightforward, to the point, gets you, gets your brain pumping ideas of what could I do for myself and my players for creating interesting plot lines tied to this, this world, this many worlds. Uh, chapter one is character creation. We just went over that. That includes backgrounds, feats, spells, uh, races slash species, and new items. Chapter two, we call Planar Principia. That's largely the Dungeon Master's Toolkit. Uh, That covers uh, some general plot hooks for running adventures in 
the planescape setting or your own multiplanar, interplanar, interdimensional world. Uh, I love that the what's it called the table. Uh, the table is titled 20 Reasons to Hop Planes." I just think that's fun. <laughs> uh, we we also have some guidelines in there about how to present creatures of the planes and. There's a common theme in uh, planar adventures of some sort of afterlife existing. So we give guidelines on how would you like to make those mechanics work for your player characters. Of if my character dies, do they just disappear? Can we go find them in the afterlife and go to that afterlife physically without dying ourselves? And so on. Uh, how can we get our friend back? Or what kind of new form does our friend take? Uh, we have lots of interesting options for those kinds of things. We also have ideas for how you can compare, contrast, and combine uh, different campaign settings, whether or not they fit in the, whether or not they canonically, traditionally fit in the same uh, multiverse as most D and D adventures take place. Uh, and lastly, in Planar Principia, we have a series of tables. Uh, of just lists of monsters from the Monster Manual, our book, and Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse that are thematic to specific themes. For example, we have the Fire List, which is just a list of monsters that either are fiery or like fire or have resistance or immunity to fire damage or things like that. Uh, we have the Dawn Table, which is a list of monsters sorted by challenge rating again. Uh, of creatures that would make sense to take place in a plane of light and heavenliness and rebirth. Uh, war, order, nature, fey, thought, and echo. We have lots of different creature theme tables. I think that even people who aren't writing planar adventures can find them to be very useful just as a place to brainstorm. Oh, I know I want about this level of combat encounter for my players. I know that it's going to be in this general kind of situation. These tables make it really easy to figure out, okay, here's a short list of manageable, easy-to-choose-from monsters that might be a good fit. So in Chapter 3, we cover what's called the Great Wheel. A lot of people who are familiar with the current game's Player's Handbook or Dungeon Master's Guide may already know what that is, but for those who don't, the Great Wheel is the name of the most common model of the multiverse. That includes the Inner Planes, which are the fire dimension, the water dimension, the earth and air dimensions, excuse me, the elemental chaos, and also positive and negative energy, whatever those mean. You can learn more about those planes uh, briefly in the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook, but our book goes into a lot greater detail on them. Uh, we also go into much greater detail on the outer planes. Those, instead of being planes of fact and, like, physics, like the inner planes are, they are realms of philosophy and belief. Uh, there's a lot more of them, so I'm not going to list them out here. But we have every single one of the outer planes covered in our book. We also have the connecting planes, which are things like the ethereal and astral plane that connect all the little places together, all the different worlds together. The outlands, uh, which is covered in greater detail in Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse, and even the far realm, which is like... The plane that no one's supposed to be able to visit and is forbidden and scary and spooky. Hmm. But 
people manage to find their way there anyways. And it's dangerous. So we decide to cover it as a connecting plane. And I think that's really awesome. I think a lot of people really enjoy the Far Realm, just the lore and zeitgeist and aesthetic of it. Uh, and I think people who like the Far Realm will like what we put together. Hmm. Lastly, we also cover the material plane. That's planar jargon for normal places. Just normal planets and Earths and Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, Kryn, Toral. All these places you may have heard of before, those are all considered the material plane. And we also have the echoes of the pr material plane, Feywild and the Shadowfell, which are explored more uh, in other Wizards of the Coast products like the Wild Beyond Witchlight, uh, Curse of Strahd, and Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And lastly, oh, actually not lastly, uh, in, in Chapter 3 we also cover major societies you can find. Uh, and major adventurers you can find uh, throughout the plains in our Travelers of the Wheel section. And when going over each uh, plane, you can also discover more about the locations, the denizens, uh, societies, uh, magical effects, and etc. that you could find in that plane, tailored to that plane. Uh, we also cover interplanar landmarks, things like Mount Olympus or Yggdrasil, the World Tree. And so on. The infinite staircase. That's my personal thing. Mm. Uh, and the, okay, now actually, lastly, uh, chapter four, creatures of the plains. That is our seventy-page bestiary. I used to know how many exact stat blocks we had. It's more than seventy. I don't remember now, and we don't have time <laughs> to count <laughs> in this interview. That, that's so. how many you have. It's that's a lot in here. Exactly. It's seventy pages of bestiary. Which is more than what player, what Planescape in Adventures in the Multiverse has. Theirs is about 64 pages. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say ours is better. Ours dovetails with them. It, it's not better. It's not worse. It's just completing. Hmm. We took some spaces that they weren't able to fill. For example, the classic monster Archons, which are the angels specifically tied to Mount Celestia. We were able to find out in advance that which Archons that Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse was going to cover. So, we were able to find out which ones they were not going to cover. Hmm. And which ones we might want to invent as well. So, we did that. We covered the ones that Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse just didn't have the room to cover. Hmm. We also invented a lot of new creatures. Uh, unique to planar settings. For example, we invented a lot of new blights. Blights are a kind of evil plant creature. We adapted them to a wider variety of environments, uh, a wider variety of biomes. Uh, my favorite is the flytrap blight, which is somewhere between a plant and a hydra. Uh, and you can find it sneaking around the swamps of the plains, uh, hiding out in jungles of the plains. I We include multiple references to most, if not all, of our monsters uh, throughout Chapter 3, throughout the planar descriptions. And people who are big junkies into the classic lore of Planescape will find some great treats. We have Ethergaunts coming back. We have Formians coming back. We got Hierarch Modrons. It is great. Mm. So, do you see this book, in a way, also as an expansion of the, the new Planescape 5e D&D book? 
Yes, most definitely. They, we intentionally wrote the book so that it could intersect well with Planescape Adventures and Multiverse, not ignore it, and not replace it. Sometimes, very occasionally, there was parts where we said, okay, Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse, the 5e version, took the canon lore and went in this direction with it. We know that some players who are, know the canon lore might prefer another direction with it, so we provide options for those two different directions and say, oh, if you want to do the Planescape version of this, if you want to do the 5e version, go with this option. If you want to do a different traditional version of this, go with this other option. There was a lot of debate on the team about how to approach that, but we figured it out in the end, and the answer was, let's provide both options. That'll make both parties happiest, I think. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yes, it, it is very much a companion to uh, Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. They're, they're two standalone books that pair perfectly together. This book sounds fantastic. Is there any last words, anything you want to share before we wrap up? So on our product description page and in the first few pages of our preview of the book, uh, in the introduction, we have a content warning that basically says that this book is not for everyone. We imagine it'll be for most D&D players that most parties will find it interesting and helpful, but we want to make sure that some people are aware there can be topics in this book discussed that might be upsetting for some, very stressful for some readers. For example, negative psychological effects and our content warning goes into more detail about what specifics you can find on that and in which sections, uh, and ideas of how to avoid it if you would rather avoid those topics. Also, death in the afterlife. That issue is much harder to avoid in this book because the planes are so intimately intertwined with what happens to you after you die, if anything at all. So, we also provide guidance described in the content warning and more thoroughly described in chapter two of our book about how to approach those topics so that you can be, uh, you can figure out what mechanics work best for the stories your game, your table wants to tell. Hmm. And along those lines, we also have guidelines for being respectful. Uh, we hired a sensitivity reader to help us write all of this book to make sure that we were being respectful of populations that historically had gotten the short straw in pop culture descriptions of them uh and it was really awesome and eye-opening to work with them first of all they brought us they brought attention to the fact that a content warning would be good to have for this book because mm. of the prevalence of negative psychological effects and death in the afterlife so we recommend to readers talk with your players about this whether it's before purchasing or before playing with it, uh, talk with the people you plan to play with about this content warning. Uh, you can talk about it with them in a group or one-on-one -on -one and just discuss with them how comfortable are you with these topics. And if you are comfortable with these topics, how in-depth would you like to get? Because we know that some players really enjoy that feeling of being immersed in difficult conflicts, and some don't. Hmm. Uh, we also provide guidance on how to approach it if someone shares something with you about, oh, this is why I'm uncomfortable with something. Or if it comes up in the middle of an adventure, oh, turns out I thought I would be okay with this topic, but turns out I'm actually not. Even if it comes up in an inconvenient time in the story, we recommend listening, respecting your friends, 
and adding it to the list of topics not to be discussed or brought into the story. And then additionally in this being respectful section, we have some additional guidelines of how to make it easy for party members to speak up uh, if they're feeling uncomfortable with something like this. So it sounds like this book um, uh, combines new lore with old lore. Um, can you share some tidbits of what might have changed or been added? Yeah. One of my favorite examples was early on in development, we realized we would be covering gods and deities and powerful cosmic beings in this book. We'd be covering a lot of them, some of them really in depth too. And we realized orcs. Orcs are getting pretty popular to play nowadays. Half orcs, full orcs, orc-esque other creatures, you know, big burly guys with tusks, whether or not you call them a, a, an orc. And we were like, they only have evil gods to worship in the canon of D&D, which says a lot about, you know, the kind of traditional culture we uh, ascribe to orc cultures in fantasy worlds. You know, that's how that's how they became popular antagonists is because they had evil gods dictating them. We decided we can keep them minor. We can keep them quiet. We can keep them less socially influential than the evil gods but what if we had some good and neutral orc gods and we worked together with some of our team members uh to develop those ideas and there's some really really cool ones in our book i if i remember correctly there's a orc god of divination and time uh there's an orc god of vengeance uh there's an orc god of like love and beauty I think it is great. For the many players out there who appreciate orcs, I think you'll really enjoy going through this book and trying to find all of the little tidbits we fit in there for that player race slash species. Mm. That, that's wonderful. Um, I remember when Drow at one point was seen as, a, as, a, as an evil race back then. Mm -hmm. and, and I think for them to grow, for them to become player characters, um, uh, options for players to use, um, you need to expand the pantheon to just love. You need to have, introduce like different types of uh, drow uh, deities um, here and there. And I'm glad that you thought of orcs expanding that as well, because that, that's like a no-brainer. Um, so I'm glad that there's options for that as well. Um, anything oh, more about that? Oh, sorry, yeah. you to say something. Along those lines, specifically for drow, we cover that too, except we didn't need to invent new gods for them they already existed in dnd lore hmm. so we dug them up uh the fan favorite i've seen is i hope i can pronounce this correctly iliastre iliastre hmm. something like that it's a lot of vowels in a name <laughs> <laughs> um she is a drow goddess of dance and battle and moonlight uh and song and goodness and she is like the most common person to be worshipped amongst drow players besides Lolf, or maybe even more common than Lolf, because player characters tend to be the good guys mm. uh, and tend to not worship evil goddesses. Uh, but even then, for Lolf, we include some in our book, some backstory of her, some of her current events going on for her, uh, and provide a more humanizing approach to her, uh, to how we present Lolf, of not just, ooh, big evil skit scary spider queen to complicated big evil scary spider queen who like mm. when you look at it from the right way like i might not agree with the decisions you made but i can kind of see where you're coming from and wow suddenly you're a lot more relatable 
there's a lot of lore in there that will just get people's brains pumping, especially if you have a specific topic of your favorite aspect of D&D races or culture or worlds or societies or settings. This book probably covers that topic because it's, it's a big book and it covers a lot. It's, it's a book about the multiverse. There's mm. a lot in the multiverse. That's where I keep all my stuff. <laughs> yes. Um, do, do you yeah. see yourself making a, a sequel to this book down the line? Well, what are your what what's next for QL Games that you can next share? Next for QL I, Games or next for QL Games on planar content? Uh, both, if possible. Okay. Whatever you can share. I know there's secrets, but um, there there's secrets. <laughs> there's secrets. <laughs> I'm super excited to share with people, and I'm like, I can't tell that yet. Regardless mm. of whether or not I'm legally bound, it's. It would be unwise in case things change dramatically or whatever before I actually get around to announcing them. Oh well, yes, there's cool stuff in the works. That I can say easily. For QL Games planar content, we're looking into additional products based around the Manual of the Planes content. For example, our bestiary, we very intentionally left out any specific NPC stat blocks. For example, if you wanted a stat block for a specific Archfey, we don't have that. We do not have a stat block for Queen Titania or King Oberon uh, or the Queen of Error and Darkness. Uh, but we do have general Archfey stat blocks with customization options. We don't have a specific big bad evil ghost guy. Uh, but if you want to represent uh, Lord Godfrey of the Dark Domain of Mordent, using a stat block from her book, you can use the Elder Evil Spirit book uh, stat block, uh, including customization options we provide on the side. The idea is that we only had so many pages that we had room for in this book, and there's so many interesting characters out there in the realms that really do deserve their own unique statistics and encounters and maybe even legendary actions or mythic actions or second stage boss fights or maps and layers and you get the idea there's a lot that could be done there uh we're investigating writing a book the current working title is mythic planescape uh which would be exactly what it sounds like a collection of those unique specific individuals their statistics in combat their abilities in play their exploration traits their social traits etc so that then you can have a big collection of boss monsters for your planar setting we think that'd be really awesome to do. We're currently in the very foundational stages of it, but I, I think that's something that we hope to put out in a couple of months to a year. Oh, that's depending exciting. On how long it takes for art. Oh, so so what is the, the next book exactly that's coming out from QL Games? So the next book that's coming out from QL Games, I am very pleased to announce. Thank you, Manny, for letting me share this platform with you to announce this. Tasha's Crucible of Everything Else print edition what i'm holding up in the video right now is the cover art it was my first big success i worked with a team of about 30 people we play tested we peer reviewed we wrote it was super intensive four-month development process in in tandem well as they were publishing tasha's cauldron of everything we started writing tasha's crucible of everything else mm. which is just another book in the same vein of its subclasses, its player races and species, its all sorts of different character options, dungeon master tools, 
and even monsters you can fight, just like you can find in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and Mordenkainen Presents Monsters of the Multiverse. You can already get most of the content online through QL Games products. What's different about this is that we've had a lot of balance tweaks and updates and quality of life improvements that we've been saving for a major release like this. And it's also going to be, have improved graphic design, better illustrations. It's going to be all in one book instead of two separate volumes. It's going to be one consistent visual style instead of two separate styles. I did the graph design and layout for those first versions of the book. And those were my first times doing it. And I've gotten a lot better since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's very exciting. It, oh, it's also going to be available in print. Um, that's been one of the most requested features for those books is to get it one in print and two as one volume in print. Mm. And we're doing that and making it prettier. <laughs> yeah, that, that cover is gorgeous. That's amazing. The cover art actually was commissioned from an artist named Emmy Rogers. Uh, mm. She is a very talented artist with a degree in illustration. Uh, and... The idea was that I'm a big fan of the art genre, uh, the art school known as Art Nouveau. It was inspired by some of my favorite paintings uh, by Gustav Klimt. You may have heard of him, maybe not. Uh, and yeah. I was like, hey, Emmy, here's some ideas. Here's some art I really appreciate and enjoy personally. What do you think we could do for having this kind of page composition or this kind of style for... Uh, combining that with your personal style of art. Because I also really liked her style of art, and I thought they would fit together really well. And this was the result, and a lot of people really liked it. I liked it enough to get a movie poster-sized print of it and hang it on my wall. So, viewers, thank you for checking out this special episode for Leap Dicey. Um, Andrew, would you like to announce the, the special code? Yes, I would. If you look in the uh, description underneath this video, you will find a link to the DMs Guild website where you can redeem a discount on the Manual of the Planes. Uh, it's normally $30. Uh, this uh, discount makes it $25 instead, which is actually like a big percentage of savings when it comes to these kinds of things. So it's, it's only available through the end of the year, through the end of 2023. So get it while you can. Mm. But I think that I've said it many times before, and I still legitimately believe it i think a lot of people will be very satisfied with this book i agree i think if you're a fan of manual plane whether or not whether you like the old stuff um, or you just want something to um expand your planescape by v adventures this is the perfect book this book's amazing um so viewers uh, again all this all the information is in the description below take care we'll see you next time mm -hmm.